When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Liv Warfield, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcast. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Hello once again. Welcome back to another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. We are pleased as always to be part of this vast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right. This is episode 203. I'm calling this Bands Get Smart. This is from a suggestion by William Walker. Uh, it's funny, as we go through this, you'll notice I, I kind of kept, kept disagreeing with examples he was coming up with. But uh, yeah, between us, we came up with some good ones. And this is something I've always uh, thought was kind of a good idea. And there were a couple that came to mind immediately. Um but as he says here, and I quote, the destroyers of heavy metal, just like Kiss Destroyer, the albums where the dumbed down bands made critically acclaimed, brightly produced albums that are musically superior to the norm of their catalog. That's a pretty good, uh, that's a pretty good definition there, William. This is the way I've always thought of this idea. And it's, uh, and it's uh, good that I, I get around to a show on this. Um, you know, as with all of these, as the shows mount up, there are there are shows where this concept kind of overlaps a little bit, um, but I noticed quite pleasantly it doesn't really overlap that much. The ones that we would overlap with a little bit are, um, you know, in spirit, this is very much like the uh, the Go to Vancouver and Try Harder episode. That's a pretty popular one. Um, and in, in, a, um, in effect, this is pretty much... Uh, a general version of that show. Uh, there were a couple other ones that that line up a little bit as well, um, but uh, pleasantly, again, I went and looked, and the examples are quite different from what we're coming up with here. There was episode 187, which was called Second Album New Band, and 188, which was called Third Album New Band. And in most of those cases, it seems like the band more or less kind of changed direction and became a new band. What we're talking about here is the way I, I've always envisioned this thing. It's about uh, the idea of bands that perhaps, uh, you know, we'll, we'll debate this as we go along, but bands that uh, that cruise along merrily with an IQ of about 80 and all of a sudden add 40 points to that, right? So they go from lukewarm to uh, to pretty Menza Mad, uh, pretty, pretty intelligent. So these are bands where um, for one reason or another, and we'll debate these reasons as we go, but for one reason or another, they all of a sudden make a smart album. Um so that's why I'm calling it Bands Get Smart, um, because we obviously mean bands get smart with an album versus their previous album sort of thing. Um, so yeah, so there's a lot of reasons to do this. I, I guess we'll go into as we go. Well, one other thing I wanted to mention is that um, not every band has these. Uh, it's pretty interesting. I went through a bunch of catalogs where, uh, you know, bands like, say, Thin Lizzy, for example. Right now I'm working on the... Um, 
cleaning up, re-editing the original Old Thin Lizzy book, and it's going to come out again in paperback. Uh, but as I'm going through that, I'm realizing that that even all through all those lineup changes, the Eric Bell years, as we move into nightlife and fighting a jailbreak, it's it's basically gradual. They don't they don't have one of these uh, you know come to Jesus moments where all of a sudden they they're way smarter than they were before. It was all pretty gradual. I feel it's kind of the same thing with Scorpions. So there's a lot of bands like this where it doesn't really apply. ZZ Top is another good one where you know the the records just kind of gradually get better and better and they do little changes here and there. But there's but there's no go wherever they're going to go and try way harder situations. So that's really the theme of this one. So let's kick off with our first selection. This is maybe a little predicted, but we'll discuss. Uh, This is Kiss with Great Expectations. Okay, so, yes, uh, like William, uh, this is the first one that comes to mind for me. I've got one other one that's uh, close to a first one that comes to mind that we're going to play as the second track. But, yes, Kiss Destroyer is a is a good way to frame this argument. So, essentially, you've got this band that's uh, that's dangerous, dangerously close to uh, a boy band, a glam band. They're kind of a heavy metal band, but they're they're kind of meat and potatoes. They know what they're doing. They're smart about it. They're musicologists, really. Um, but they're but they're heavy like BTO is heavy, right? Um, you know that they're not going to win any awards for uh, for intelligence across Kiss, Hotter Than Hell, Dressed uh, Dressed to Kill, the live album, which is a summary of those three. Um, but what happens is you get to the Destroyer album and they say, right, okay, we're going to get serious here. Um, you know, part of it is a little bit of we want to get serious because we want the critics to respect us more. We want to respect ourselves more. We want the fans to respect us more. So they get Bob Ezrin in. And this record has all sorts of sound effects all over it, choirs and the bells, as you can hear. Uh, It's got piano, grand piano. It's got car crashes, radio sounds. It's got kids screaming in the background at the beginning of God of of Thunder. It's got acoustic guitar massaged in. Uh, Well, they did that before anyways, but uh, shout it out. Um, Sweet Pain uh, is kind of known for that. So Bob Ezrin is bringing a lot of the tricks uh, of his trade to the table that he had all through basically love it to death, you know, even going up to uh, welcome to my nightmare. Uh, Any bells and whistles that he put into the Alice Cooper band, he's kind of putting them in here as well. Um, This is not really related to the Lou Reed situation in a big way, but... um, but yeah, the songwriting is better. It's more varied. Uh, this is another example of uh, something I like to call a Peaks and Valleys album, right? Um, I'm not sure if I've ever done that episode. That's one I should do because uh, there's a lot of albums out there in the world where they're even Steven all the way through and you're loving everything at a 7.5 or an 8 on it. And then there are other albums that you like equally as much 
because the math works out the same, but you like them equally as much because there's there's three tens on it for you, and then there but there's also three fours on it for you, sort of thing. So so um, destroyer is one of those where it's but where it's a bumpy ride, um, but everything about it is is way smarter. And the funny thing about it is. Um, you know, one of the narratives, these these short narratives that that happen, uh, you know, at the time, you know, they they literally fired Bob Ezrin because they were getting too many complaints about Destroyer, right? So so some critics and some fans were making fun of them, you know, for something like a Great Expectations or a Beth. You know, obviously we've got Beth on here, which is which is a drumless ballad sung by the uh, by the uh, drummer, right? Um, so there were complaints uh, at the time. And they fired Bob Ezrin. Um, but as time goes on, right, uh, you know, Destroyer essentially becomes the best Kiss album because everybody kind of looks back a little frustrated and goes, I guess that stuff doesn't really hand up or, or hold up that well, you know, when you're when you're a 50 or 60 year old adult sort of thing. Um, and so, so yeah, this is this is basically the go-to album for a greatest Kiss album, and I think Kiss actually has uh, this this sort of situation in a, in a lighter respect as we go on. You know, one of them is the Revenge album, which is Bob Ezrin coming back. He was there on the you know the Elder as well. But Revenge is definitely a go wherever you're going to go and try harder sort of album. It's it's much you know well better put together than Crazy Nights and. Um, hot in the shade um it, everything about it and and yet they they still said okay the challenge to ourselves is we're still going to be absolutely essentially kiss we're just going to be our best version of kiss so that was kind of cool um and the elder you know people looked at that okay it is ambitious it's a concept album so is is this a version of kiss being smarter kind of crashed in flames people don't believe it um and then I also would argue that Sonic Boom and Monster both over the likes of Psycho Circus are a little bit of this as well. It's it's a little bit of give a lot of value for the money, be a little smarter, um, and just be the best version of ourselves, even though obviously this is this is the new version of the band with Tommy Thayer in it. But still, I think those are like that. But Again, I think uh, I think uh, Destroyer is the absolutely, absolutely perfect example of this concept. Episode two hundred three, bands get smart. Uh, all right, let's listen to our second selection. Take a listen to this. This is Saxon with Warrior. Okay, so this is the other one that absolutely comes to mind for me every single time. Saxon Power and the Glory. Love this album to death. But I've always, you know, this was always a band that I sort of tolerated and you felt a little embarrassed about liking. You know, even, uh, sure, Wheels of Steel. Um, you know, it's a ground zero. It's an early New Wave of British heavy metal album. But Strong Arm of the Law and Princess of the Night. Uh, I'm sorry, Princess of the Night. Uh, Denim, and, Denim and Leather are... Uh, are fairly, um, you know, are fairly simple. They've got they've got a little bit of the ZZ Top. They got a little bit of the Kiss in them as well. Scrappy productions, especially Strong Arm of the Law. You know, they they would tell you the guys would tell you. Of course, I wrote a Saxon book, so I know this. But they will tell you that they felt rushed during that period, like putting those albums out all so so quickly. I think you got an eighty, an eighty, and an eighty-one there, right? Um, but uh, 
but yeah, so so you know they, they were a band that that almost was like uh, they almost fit in the Motorhead family. They're almost like a a slight slight version of a thinking man's Motorhead, which is putting Lemmy down because Lemmy's lyrics are pretty much better than Biff's lyrics, right? So so Lemmy is a pretty smart guy, but. You get to Power and the Glory, and uh, Nigel Glockler enters the band. He was there on the Eagle Has Landed live album. Uh, but he gets in the band, and Jeff Glicksman out of Atlanta, uh, this is actually recorded there, um, he, he does something very non-Jeff Glicksman-like and, and turns in this absolutely molten, searing production value thing. And in conjunction with the drummer, Nigel, uh, everybody's game is raised. You've got uh, Graham Oliver and Paul Quinn here soloing like madmen like they never had before it's almost like everybody is just like guzzling red bulls when they're making this album it's it's so heavy and so good um you know it is a late period new wave of british heavy metal album but in in all seriousness on an artistic level there are no other saxon albums i inc- i can include at the very top of the new wave of british heavy metal album list besides this one and this one absolutely fits proudly up there it's 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 right in there for all those abstract reasons the same way that grim reaper see you in hell or um or um raven all for one are in there for late period 83 84 type albums um so yeah this is an 83 album um the riffs are lethal you've got power and the glories as a as a fast one um really really cool cruising again everything on here is just smarter than everything they had been doing previous and they they could even take slightly simpler songs where where it's it's almost the type of song where they aren't the kinds of songs that you could play in an acoustic guitar and get them across something like red line or watching the sky um but you put this kind of production and smarts into it and and this sort of inspired playing and singing and lyrics and everything, um, you know, Midas Touch included, uh, and they absolutely, there's so much atmosphere to these songs that they just take off. And, and you know, Crusader is just like a dim light bulb of this again. They, they all of a sudden dumb down again and, and you don't have the confidence in them as absolutely skilled technicians of metal so they they didn't really have that before you just loved them they were just the good old lovable uh saxon um but then all of a sudden super men's a mad super smart album and then they're and then they're kind of back to the same thing again so so that's the funny thing with these guys um you know and i just want to mention also that in the modern era i mean these guys have put out so many albums in the 2000s produced by uh you know andy sneep is 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 kind of the main producer guy who's who's been there on a lot of this stuff um but yeah, you've had Toby Jepsen as well. Yeah, since 2010, seven albums, or, or five anyways, they've got the covers albums. But uh, yeah, and that More Inspiration album from 2023. Again, bad song choices and stuff. By the way, though, they do cover Detroit Rock City. But uh, yeah, that's a whole nother episode, this thing about uh, picking covers that we don't like. But So the point is, is that now... You know, we always kid uh, Saxon and compare them to uh, Accept and compare them to Priest because they've basically become a high-performance power metal band. You know, again, way beyond those Strong Arm of the Law and Wheels of Steel and Denim and Leather Roots. Um, they're just they're just efficient, gleaming, good. Um, but you're not feeling the magic uh, of those early days, and you're certainly not feeling everything coming together the way they do on uh, on Power and the Glory. Um, all right, let's take a short break. We'll be right back.
Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. All right, back again here on History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, episode 203. This is Bands Get Smart. Um, this is all about bands who all of a sudden went from 80 IQ to uh, 120 IQ, um, essentially. Um, let's take a listen to our, our third selection here. This is Van Halen with The Dream Is Over. I see the power. Okay, so the idea here is that I feel like this is a go-to-wherever-and-try-harder sort of album again. Um, I felt like Van Halen, they've always been turning in these short, casual, jokey sort of albums. The Nadir is maybe Diver Down, but I, you know, 5150 and OU812 are are pretty light pretty light fair sammy doesn't have a lot to say um it it sounds pretty casual we love the chemistry of van halen that's a cool thing about it but when you get to four unlawful carnal knowledge um this band turns in a super long album a super dense album a serious album it's a little darker sammy is uh is tackling a few more topics um you know right there you've got the metaphor of right now versus uh uh, dreams and love walks in and all that stuff. So you've got the same tooling. You've got you've got the Hey Good Hardy, uh, Bruce Hornsby piano, um, and you've got a mellow song. But um, you know Eddie's turned this into uh, you know it it it's a pretty political song. Or Sammy's turned it into a political song. And then the video for it, um, you know, wins wins best video of the award. Uh, you know MTV and it's and it it makes it even more political because it's got that iconic you know the classic text. Um, splashed over it throughout the whole thing. That's a whole nother story. Sammy was not happy with that, actually, to begin with. Um, but 
So the idea here, you've got pound cake with a with a wall of sound. Uh, you've got this huge, huge production. So they went from uh, they went from this sort of brown sound situation to getting Andy Johns in. You know, uh, Alex wanted a a John Bonham sort of snare sound, and he got a snare sound, drum sound, and cymbal sound that is absolutely massive. Um, although uh, relations kind of broke down between him and Sammy, so Sammy had to get Ted Teppelman in to, uh, to work on vocals. The band was falling apart itself. But it's a big, serious album with a lot of work went into it, a lot of labor. So I feel like this is, this is one of those. This is essentially their most uh, substantive uh, album. So it is the... Uh, it is it is the smart one. It's the one where they tried harder. You know, you did. You certainly didn't feel this on balance. You didn't feel it on the Gary Sharon album. And then the last one was a whole different kettle of fish, as they say. Um, all right, let's move on to track number four. Take a listen to this. This is Wasp with the Neutron Bomber. Okay, so the situation here is that you've got Blackie Lawless. You know, he's got he's got a smart past. He's got a smart past in like like performative shock art. You know, throwing raw meat around and all this sort of stuff, and this and this short stint that he had in the New York Dolls. Um, so he's he's thoughtful about what he's doing, but it doesn't really come off as thoughtful because he's coming after Motley Crue and he's looking like Motley Crue and Kiss and Alice Cooper. So he's got. You know, the Wasp album, it's got its notoriety, 1984, The Last Command, 85, Inside the Electric Circus, 86. Um, But then there's a three-year break. You get to the Headless Children with that iconic, cool, you know, serious, serious album cover. Um, You know, as as the wiki says, uh, it showcases a new level of maturity from the band compared to their previous three albums, which is stereotypically lewd rock and roll lyrics. Politics and social issues are now a theme throughout the album. The cover art, based on Getaway to Stalingrad, a cartoon by Daniel Fitzpatrick, depicts a string of historical figures, including Joseph Stalin, Adolf Hitler, Heinrich Himmler, Benito Mussolini, Charles Manson, Jim Jones, Edie Amin, wow, Paul Pot, Al Al Capone and the Ku Klux Klan with an image of Jack Ruby shooting Lee Harvey Oswald showing. So, wow. So, um, you know, Blackie, you know, talk about his... uh, his shock art. He's throwing every shocking person from history into this into this uh, album cover. Well, he didn't he didn't draw the album cover himself. But the point is, is that uh, yes, Headless Children was uh, taken pretty seriously. And uh, you know, anytime you interview Blackie in interviews, he's a thoughtful guy. He's a great interview. Um, you know, so this massive image that we all deal with, and and you know the 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 um, the difficulty that this guy can be as well, and you know the various members through the band, and a lot of a lot of abuse right uh, through there, but. It essentially, um, you know, this record and its follow-up, the Crimson, uh, the Crimson Idol, a rock opera, right? Uh, telling the story of the rise and fall of fictional rock star named Jonathan Steele. Jonathan Steele ain't that great a name, but, uh, but uh, yeah. So it's funny. So we've got a we've got a three-year gap to the Headless Children. We've got another three-year gap up to June 1992 for the Crimson Idol. So basically, Blackie. Um, establishes himself as a as a smart thoughtful uh music guy ironically um he's still got his uh his very scratchy voice and very uh you know odd 
uh, propensities to have really distorted production sound. And and he's uh, yeah he's told me this himself why the drums are so busy and noisy that he loves Keith Moon. So he's still got that going on. And as you can hear in this song, it's it's pretty poverty metal, right? It's it's pretty metal blade meat and potatoes metal. But over the course of the album, there are some some really cool things on it biggest songs on here rebel in the fdg and mean man you know uh, chris's uh sort, sort of uh you know uh, uh well actually yeah this is the last album with chris right but yeah you've got the headless children the heretic brackets the lost child right thunderhead um mephisto waltz um you know which is just a short little acoustic interlude so so yeah again a peaks and valleys sort of situation where the previous albums are are essentially kind of like motley crew albums right sort of thing so there you go let's move on to our fifth selection here take a listen to this this is the clash with the card sheet Okay, so uh, so here is a situation where uh, surprise I didn't pick a a metal one this time, but uh, so yeah, they they have this uh, this really good, you know, pretty pretty raw but uh, intellectually uh, interesting debut, the Clash, the Clash. Then they have Give Him Enough Rope, which is uh, a a still a pretty harsh and punky and and cool album, but again, good lyrics. But essentially, what they do is the clash really raise their intelligence level and say they want to be one of the you know known as one of the greatest bands that ever walked the earth and i think they kind of uh you know they achieved that with london calling first off it is a double album it's got to five uh five five four and four songs so it's a it's a you know a true double album ah, it might be a little short right um but um it is absolutely a double album and uh yeah produced by guy stevens gorgeously produced by this eccentric troubled guy who eventually died but he was a kind of kind of kind of a big drug guy and he would throw chairs around in the studio and all this stuff but um what are the ways so the ways are uh you know 18 songs number one but these 18 songs uh they they uh, essentially uh give up all of the the punk rock and the distortion on the guitar i mean there's a couple songs here with a little bit of rock to the brand brand new cadillac which we played in our band in the 80s right second song of this album it's kind of a kind of an old rock and roll rockabilly number but but it is actually kind of heavy um death or glory's a little heavy four horsemen's a little heavy but man the rest of it there is a lot of like acoustic guitar on here and it's it's basically like the great american songbook so this is a little bit like the precursor to the u2 going to that rattle and hum kind of place but but the clash do it i mean this is this is on par on level uh you know in terms of um you know legendary status with uh with bruce springsteen breaking out right um this was called um uh, the the greatest album of 1979 i think it's one of the greatest albums of all time and uh so yeah like i say the all the punk is gone 
you know, even though it's a double album, you would think, you know, uh, you if if you were, you know, this is changing super rapidly, but you would think with a double album, if you changed even super rapidly, you would keep some vestiges of your past. They've basically taken the entire vestiges of their past over those first two single LP albums, put the entire thing aside, and came up with, with um, 18 songs and none of them resemble anything from the previous album. So that's pretty amazing. Plus, it's just really, really good. So I think uh, I had to include this in here, even though it, it didn't really fit our mandate of, of fairly heaviness. Um, I had to put this in here as the most exaggerated and most extreme and probably most impressive uh, example of this whole thing. Um, so there you go. Um, yeah, very cool. Uh, the, the Clash love these guys, and then they changed again after this. But I think I think this is the absolute, uh, you know, the the raising of the uh, of the smarts level. Um, a few others that uh, that William Walker mentioned. Um, a couple that I I do kind of agree with are Sabotage, Streets of Rock Opera. I didn't want to, and as I told him, you know, as we were Facebook messengering, I didn't want to go down the road of two different things. Uh, the second album because I didn't want it to be a, a debut to the next album situation. Plus, we had the second album episode. Um, but it, like I say, it doesn't really align with this. And I didn't want to go down the route of just saying, oh, when you make a concept album, you're getting smarter, right? Um, because So that's why the Sabotage one I don't like so much, because their early stuff is just so darn incredible anyways, right? Uh, he mentioned Sweet, Sweet Fanny Adams, and this is kind of a good example because they just have the one bizarre, ridiculous, glam, pop, boy band album. Funny how Sweet Coco can be or whatever it's called, right? Uh, and then a bunch of singles. They don't even have another album, but then they but then they basically put this out, and it's good, smart, intelligent level, uh, metal. They're moving away from glam, even though they still look glam in their in their lives, like very embarrassingly uh, glam. But yeah, it's it's good, smart, heavy metal with a with a great drummer and Mick Tucker. Um, you know that even, even though Chapman Chin can still write these smart, intelligent metal songs, those guys are not just glam guys. But the the guys themselves are starting to write here as well, and they actually put out two albums in 1974. Um, William mentions uh, Wishbone Ash Argus. Don't really agree. Ah, maybe yeah. Queen Night of the Opera. Definitely don't agree with that. I, I feel like um, you know everything's gradual with Queen, and those early ones are so good. So that's why. Budgie Bandolier. I mean, it is probably the most accomplished, but I I still think it's pretty gradual. Steve Vai, Passion and Warfare. Well, yeah, no, probably not. Damn Yankees, not really. Van Halen, fifty-one, fifty. Yeah, I, I had a nice argument with him about this. He said Hager's lyrics being superior to D DLRs, plus their uh, no covers. Well, that's true, but I, I absolutely, there's no. I almost think they dumbed down with 5150. Um, Gamma, you know, he makes this interesting point about Gamma, you know, Montrose being the Ronnie Montrose uh, version of Kiss, and then Gamma being the absolute men's a mad smart thing. Um, and it's kind of interesting that way. Um, because they are kind of like a, like a very high-tech sort of metal band, and they can even be a little fusion-y. I love Gamma to death, but I uh, didn't really feel it that one. Motorhead, Another Perfect Day, don't don't really feel that either. Um, to me, the Motorhead one, William, the, the big jump up for Motorhead for me is from the debut to Overkill. Uh, when they get on bronze and they get, you know, the album cover is a perfect metaphor of that, but everything improves a lot when you get to the second one. And I would even argue that the lyrics even improve a lot. I mean, Lemmy just gets more thoughtful, but I think I think everything gets better there. Um, 
You mentioned Symphony X, uh, Divine Wings of Tragedy. Don't really agree there. Iron Maiden, Power Slave, Peace of Mind. Don't agree there. I, I think I think everything's gradual for them and they were good right out of the gate kind of thing. Um, and I don't think they ever, you know, Maiden, hmm. Maiden, along the way, I don't think they ever had that album uh, where they where they got super serious and, and, and you know, tried, tried to be super smart about it. William also mentions Signals Over Moving Pictures. Don't agree. UFO Lights Out. Don't agree um, because I, I think uh, No Heavy Petting, uh, petting is, is just, as, just as good. Um, one that uh, William did mention that I do kind of agree on is Accept Breaker. Um, but, but it's a funny situation where they've got this one priesty, but really loose album. And then they've got this one experimental ACDC dumbed down album. And then Breaker is amazing. Everything about it. It's just so well put together. The songwriting, the production, everything is great about Breaker. So I kind of agree with that. Kansas Mask versus Left Overture. Don't agree. Heavy Load, uh, Full Speed at High Level, Death or Glory. Agree a little bit. Uh, Sirithungal from Frost and Fire to the King of the Dead. Don't really agree. A uh, couple other ones I really felt um, fit this concept are Warrant Dog Eat Dog, that whole situation with them getting serious and wanting to move away from the cherry pie thing. Um, Aerosmith Get Your Wings, but it's a second album. I really, really believe this about Permanent Vacation, but that's a little bit of that whole go to Vancouver and, and try harder situation, so I didn't want to put that in there. Um, and I think even even Saxon from the debut to Wheels of Steel is a little bit of one of these or a faint version of this. And Samson, Samson from the first two to Shock Tactics is a big jump up in quality. I think they get a lot smarter and a lot better about what they're doing there. So that's one I could have included. Judas Priest Sad Wings, I feel, is that second album thing and uh and it's it bears some similarity to rockarola um an interesting one is motley Crue has the go to vancouver and try harder album in uh in dr feelgood but i also feel that there's a little bit of this this um concept when you think of something like a saints of los angeles where they say Right. We want to compete with everything. We're going to turn in a long album. Everything's going to be perfect. We're going to be thoughtful. The production is going to be amazing. None of none of the loose grit or charm. It's a it's a little bit about Saxon turning into what Saxon turned into when Motley Crue turns into Saints of Los Angeles. But you you feel empty about it. I mean, it it just feels forced and you think they're not that smart, so they're kind of faking it. Um but, you know, you also feel that album feeling that way a little bit because New Tattoo was them trying to be an old school Motley Crue album. So you get the pronounced difference between those two. And then another one that, but it is second album as well, is Slave to the Grind. And I feel like I've talked about it a lot as well. That's the other thing always going on in the back of my head. You know, I can hear my voice saying these things and boy, did I talk about this too much. But Skid Row was that sort of situation where they were proud of being heavier and less hair metal, uh, a little thrashier, a little more serious, a little darker. You've got the, um, you know, you've got the painting there by Sebastian Bach's dad. Um, what was his name here? I actually put this in here as my notes. Yeah, um, D- David Bierk. So you've got this painting, long mural, continued inside the album booklet, set in medieval era. It depicts people using modern technology gadgets. The cover was inspired by Caravaggio's. Um, Burial of St. Lucy from 1608 shows John F. Kennedy in the crowd. So yeah, so that's that's different from a standard hair metal album. And uh, yeah, it is, it's funny. I was just playing it though to go through this and I actually had it as one of mine. I bumped it out for The Clash because I was playing it and going, this is kind of a little bit Aerosmith funky hair metal. A little more than I kind of even remembered it as, which is, which is sort of funny. Um, 
So there you go. If you like the show and want to support future episodes, please go to Kofi, rhymeswithnofee.com slash Popoff. Hit that red support button. Buy me a coffee or a pint. Uh, this week, I would like to thank David Block. Very generous. Thank you. Take a break. Uh, David Fisher, Michael Gendelman, Peter Kerr. Check out Peter's uh, Rock Daydream Nation. He's just had a one-hour one go up about Rainbow Rising. Maybe he talks about all sorts of stuff, White Stripes. He's got one about rock bands that went dance. Um, but yeah, good YouTube channel there from Peter Kerr, Michael Mahoney, Monty Olson. Augustine Garcia D. Paredes, Steve Polari, and Dan Rosenson. Thanks all very much. Um, and uh, martinpopoff.com for all your book needs. You know, I sign them, send them out here. I'll probably put in one of my little collector cards. Uh, I do that fairly often with these books if it's uh, if it's on topic. Um, but yeah, I've got the ACDC book in, the Pink Floyd, the David Bowie. So all those big, nice, lush uh, ones from Motorbooks are in and uh, got, got a lot of UK stuff in. Pretty much everything's in stock right now. So yeah, martinpopoff.com for that stuff. Um, yes, we shall talk to you later. Uh, let, it, let me know over on the Facebook page if there are any other of these bands have we put down these bands by calling them stupid to begin with i don't know um but um anyways uh yeah let me know uh you know i, I guess i could that would have been a funny name for this episode call it 80 to 120 right um but uh that's kind of the concept so let me know if you uh, know of any other bands that uh were stupid and got smart Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at R&R Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.